That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Are you sure about that? Next on the Midweek Move. Welcome to the Midweek Move. I am Scott, and today it is uh, a huge privilege and an honor today. I've got a friend of mine, and uh, we did not meet uh, under normal circumstances. We actually uh, we met beforehand, but we really forged a relationship in the old Soviet bloc of a place called Moldova. So he is uh, just an amazing man of God. He loves the Lord. Uh, man, his whole family just doing the work of Jesus. He's in the marketplace now, so he knows about that realm as well. And uh, when I asked him to do this uh, with a little bit of trepidation, he said yes. I think he said yes more of just for me, just doing it for me, but I believe the Lord has something really awesome. So today we have with us our special guest, Eric Wilkes. Hey, buddy. How are you, man? Hey, Pastor Scott. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Hey, we are in Acts chapter 5. So I told Eric, I said, hey, man, uh, let's not ease into this. Let your first time, let's just go right into Acts chapter 5. Let's do that. The pressure's on, right? So we're going to walk through the scriptures, get it out, Acts chapter 5. We're going to just walk through and we're going to just talk about, not just read, but we're going to talk about not just what's going on in the text, but how does that relate to us? So Acts chapter 5, verse 1. Now remember where we've left off in Acts 4, Peter and John have been arrested, that told, don't speak the name of Jesus anymore. They go back, they tell all the crowd of, of disciples, hey, here's what just happened to us. The crowd of disciples then began to pray, and instead of praying, hey, we don't like this leader, or we want to change this, or we want to change that, man, their prayer is, Lord, look on their threats, but grant to us that we may speak your word with boldness, signs and wonders, the place is shaken, stuff's going crazy, they're fellowshipping with one another. The power of God is everywhere. And then all of a sudden now they're distributing. They're kind of doing the practical things now. They're taking care of the needs of the people. They're laying stuff at the apostles' feet. They're making sure nobody has need of anything. And then we have Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Now, let's just one verse in. Let's just look at this, because sometimes we will look at what happens after this, and we'll think, man, they were just ungodly people. They were just terrible people. But here it says that Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, which means they are with the crowd coming to bring these things to the apostles' feet. Now, what does that say to you, Eric? Well, it says to me that they're that they're believers. Um, I also noticed, I mean, first right off that, that it says that his wife, Sapphira, so they went into it together. They went uh, together. Yeah, it wasn't good. it wasn't an individual act. They went into it and did it did it together, and that comes out later in scripture. Absolutely, absolutely. So what we've got here now we've got this. You know, this is where we've got to struggle with our faith a little bit, and this is where we have to like wrestle a little bit with the scriptures. Sometimes I think we read the scriptures as if it's just kind of this nursery rhyme, and we just forget to go a little bit deeper and yeah. wrestle with the word. You know, absolutely. So here we go. And he kept back part of the proceeds. Man, we could stop right here and talk about 
for hours what it means when we keep something back. Because you got to remember, although they're coming to lay this at the apostles' feet, this is a word from the Lord. Like the Lord has put this on their hearts that they are to do life together, that they're to bring stuff not just to the apostles but to the Lord. And so right off the bat, it says, and he kept back part of the proceeds, and to your point, his wife also being aware of it. She wasn't ignorant. No, not at all. That they were only bringing a piece of it. Now, I know your thought process in giving and all of those things, and especially like first to the Lord. What is? What are some things that we can think about when we think about keeping back part of what is the Lord's? Um, you know, I, I started thinking, the, my first thought was um, how oftentimes we in the church, Christian believers, uh, hold back some of the anointing mm. that God has has given us, and some of the the things that that He's blessed us with. And a lot of times we use um, excuses not to be used in those in those avenues. Um, you know, I, I as you know, I used to do a lot of uh, a lot of outreach, and I remember going to somebody and asking for help with some of the the younger kids that we were reaching, and uh, she said, "I just don't feel called to that." Right, and I, I just, you know, years later now, that was probably 15, 20 years ago, right. and it's just she was keeping back herself, yep. you know, and she ended up using that. I, I always felt like that was an excuse. Sure. Um, the Holy Spirit worked on her, and she came, and she was great with those little kids. Yep. And, uh, you know, he's going to get what he needs to get out of us. Yeah. You know, the enemy has a way of coming in when he knows we're about to cross a threshold of faith. Like when we're about to cross a threshold, the enemy knows that, and he's not just going to hang out and be like, sure, I want you to do everything God has for you. He's going to try to do everything he can to set roadblocks or even distractions, excuses, things to keep us from crossing a threshold. Ananias and Sapphira are at a threshold right here. They're at a threshold moment that if they will go past this, God was about to do exceedingly and abundantly above yes. anything they could ask or think. But <laughs> that's it. We all have a choice. So, to your point of them being together, the wife is not ignorant of this. She knows exactly what's going on. And it says this, and brought a certain part. Man, I love the language here. And if you look in the, you know, a lot of times we look in the Hebrew and the Greek and we try to find something there that's not there. When you look in the Hebrew in this, a certain part it means a certain part. It means they're keeping something back. They're right. they're holding something back from the Lord, and laid it at the apostles' feet. So they have necess- they have done really what was asked. Come and lay it at the apostles' feet. Right? They've done that part right, but they have kept back the portion for the Lord for themselves. And it and and I think oftentimes we do that. We we do that what we're supposed to do outwardly. Yep, and we we feel like even though we know better, we feel like we're getting over on the Lord, like He doesn't see. It's almost like Sunday morning, click, check that off my box. But the Lord is putting so much more on your heart. But you're just like, well, I came to church, sure, like I was there. <laughs> well, you can be there and not be there, right? You know what I mean. And it's easy for me to pull the wool over your eyes. Oh, sure. In in somebody else's eyes. You know what's funny but the about Lord that? The Lord knows it all. And this isn't necessarily <laughs> in here, but this is good. Is that 
a lot of times, especially as a leader, like people will feel like they're pulling something over your eyes and they're like, oh, you're prophetic. You should know. And it's like, well, I don't have to know. <laughs> like the most important one is not the apostles in this story. The most important is the Lord. Absolutely. That's the yes. one that matters. They think that maybe we're putting it at the apostles' feet and they won't know that we're keeping back the portion of the Lord. But there is a thing called discernment, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that I think we're about to see right here. Verse 3, but Peter said, now they've brought it to the apostles' feet. It looks like it's going to go good for them. Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? That's not Peter of 2021. No, it's it's definitely not. At the first church would make me feel awesome. <laughs> this, is, this is Peter saying... Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? These are some of the same words that Jesus used at the table with Judas. And Peter was at that table. Peter is using the same terminology. Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? Now, Peter isn't saying that Ananias and Sapphira have to do without everything in their own lives. He's not saying that. He's saying that there's a portion that you have kept back for yourself that is the Lord's, and you have now lied, not to me, but to the Holy Spirit about which is, that. Which is, it's a powerful statement. Powerful statement. <laughs> Sometimes we, as believers, can, again, we can, I can come to Eric and I can go, hey, man, and I can kind of put a shroud over this. And you can only see a certain way, and I can feel like I'm getting away with something. But if that is dealing with the Lord, I'm actually doing that to the Lord. I'm actually keeping that from the Lord, Yeah, which we will see is very intense. Because, by the way, this isn't the Old Testament. <laughs> no, no, it's not the Old Testament. This is not Jesus <laughs> walking around in the flesh. This is post-resurrection. This is under the grace covenant. This is the New Testament. This is love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, all that stuff. And here's what happens. Verse 4, while it remained, was it not your own? Now he's kind of taking him on a teaching lesson here. And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Now he's put it back on him. He's like, listen, this is all you. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Excuse me. Don't... Don't you think that Peter was probably practicing what what the Lord had taught him? Like when 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 Jesus said to Peter, "Get thee behind me, Satan." Yep. Like that, I, I just I've always pictured that really biting Peter, like really hurting Peter, sure, because he wanted to serve the Lord, and so now it's it's what you said. It's not the feel good church that we're used to. He's no, coming in he and is, being real honest. He's he's watching two people self destruct in the spirit before his eyes. Right. And to me, sometimes we can read this and we can read it with our own edge of trying to insert our narrative or our feelings into Peter. You know, I don't think necessarily he's just like ripping them a new one. I think a lot of this is coming from a place of grief and sorrow. Sure. Of where he's going, man, I've been down the path you guys are taking right now. Are you sure you want to go this way? Yeah. Are you sure you want this to go this way? And and the saying says, the truth hurts. You truth know, hurts. He, no matter how he delivers it, it's going to hurt. And as to our opening for this entire segment, here we go. 
Verse 5, then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. This is my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> like, are you sure? Like, this is heavy, folks. Like, we've got to wrestle with this stuff. This isn't one of those, uh, hey, this is a TED Talk, and you're going to feel amazing <laughs> when you walk away from this place. No, it's going to be like, wow, this really happened. Like, this is not just something we're reading. This really happened in front of them. And right. I'm thinking from Peter's point of view, this is literally happening in front of him. Oh, yeah. And 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 he clearly had a heart to try to change the trajectory of what was going on. No doubt. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose, verse 6, and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Like, this is all happening in real time. Now, it was about three hours later when his wife came in. So there's been a span of time not knowing what happened. Now, she knew... Up front, she was aware that her husband was holding back. So she knew that. She had that knowledge. But she does not know what has happened to her husband. Verse 8, and Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. So now he's giving her a personal opportunity to, to not go the same direction as her husband. And so she says, yes, for so much coming into agreement with her husband. Listen, coming into agreement is not just about coming into agreement with good things. We can come into agreement with bad things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, like we can come into agreement with doubt. We can come into agreement with fear. We can come into agreement with things that are not the Lord. And when we come into agreement with that, agreement is power even if it's bad. I mean, hadn't the last year, year and a half been a testimony to that? Well, sure, you come into, into agreement. agreement with fear. Yeah, and, you come into uh, agreement with certain things. It has power. Yeah, absolutely. Because you give it power. <laughs> you, you give it some power. So it goes on, verse 9. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Whew. I mean, this is heavy. It's it's heavy. And have you wondered at all while you're reading this or or preparing for this? Like, and I I know I have. Wonder what's protecting us from this kind of judgment and wrath now? Oh sure, there's I mean, no doubt because there's there's this type of thing happening all the time, every day, in and we just may not recognize it as this, right? We may just recognize it as, well, it was just the Lord's will, or it was just that time, or it was just this or just that's that. That's true, yeah. And how much of that is happening, but happening because of this. And that's why the Holy Spirit... Listen, we have been given the ultimate director, guide, counselor, GPS, whatever you want to apply to it, we've been given the ultimate uh, conductor to our lives. Yes. Not with us, but in us. Absolutely, yes. And just because you're a Christian or a believer or following Christ, whatever you say, just because you are that doesn't mean that you can't allow other voices to drown out the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life. You'd be like, well, you know, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Christ. Yeah, but do you know what the Lord is saying? Because if you don't know what the Lord is saying, then that tells me that you don't know the Lord. 
Yes. That's a powerful state. Yeah, powerful statement. Like, what is the Lord saying? Right. And and of course, the day we live in, it's like people like the moment you say the Lord spoke to me, they think you're talking about, you know, Charlton Heston's voice coming out of the heavens <laughs> talking to, you know, like Moses yeah. and the Ten Commandments, you know, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about as we read the word of God, the Holy Spirit gives us revelation and speaks to us about what God is saying to us. And then not just to speak it to us, but so that we will do what he is saying. That is relationship. Yeah. You know, relationship with our kids. We instruct them. We correct them. We we do all these things, and we don't do it so they will turn around and do the opposite. We do it so they will course correct and do what we say, right? Right. But there has to be an example that we're living before them, right? Well, the only way that we know the character and the nature of God is to read the Word of God, to pray, to seek the face of God, to know His nature and His character so we can know who we are in Him. Evidently, these two, sadly, had not come to that place because they are in amongst the believers. We they know are. that to be a fact. They're not just ignorant unbelievers. They know, and they also know what they're doing. They know what they're doing, and I, you know, it's it's a, a lot of times as believers, we um, we want to think the worst possible thing has to happen to to draw somebody away. And right. In in this case, it wasn't. It, I don't think it was a huge thing. It was to them in their mind. Well, we're just keeping a little bit back. That's right. And and it and it wasn't that they were not going to get taken care of, right? Because everybody in the scenario, the Bible is clear. Everyone's needs were taken care of. People that were coming and laying their stuff at the apostles' feet, all the needs were taken care of. They distributed to each one as anyone had need. That means that anyone who had a need, their needs were taken care of. So it wasn't like Ananias and Sapphira were going to go without or be without. Their needs were going to be taken care of. Yet still, that fleshly nature said, and that tells us that they were not living in the Spirit. Yes. Then immediately, this sounds very familiar, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. And verse 11 is probably one of those verses where it's like, duh, sure. <laughs> so great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. You think? Like, here these people just, quote, unquote, innocently keep something back for themselves, and they're struck dead. Like, I'm sure that nobody wants to come and talk to Peter right now. No, but it also... It also probably had everybody well, did have everybody rethinking what they were doing and how are they were doing it. Where's my heart? Right. Where's my mind? Where are my thoughts? Where are my exactly. intentions? It's like, and you got to be going. Well, I'm the next in line to bring mine to Peter and lay it at his feet. Whew. Yeah. So, I'm, I, how many how many people did it adjust their course, the course of their history? Changed even their giving pattern. Yeah. Man, that is so good. Yeah changed even their thought process, not of fear of the apostles, because that's not the root of this fear it's talking about. It's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is an awe and wonder and respect for God. It's not a being afraid of God. It is an awe and wonder and respect for the Lord. And that's the type of fear that's coming on. And if you think that well, let's just go on because we'll see what happens when the fear of the Lord comes. Because when the fear of the Lord comes, actually good things happen. Yeah. 
And through the hands of the apostles, this is right after this, verse 12, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Like now signs and wonders are breaking out. Why? Because there's awe and wonder of the Lord, not of the disciples. And they were all with one accord. There's that word again, one accord, those two words, one accord. Not unity, but one accord. That's in the Spirit, in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them. <laughs> but the people esteemed them highly. Man, this is so key. We think that every single church ought to be full of people, and somehow that means that everybody in that building is going to heaven. Right. But just because you can have a crowd doesn't mean you have disciples. Oh, absolutely not. No. And, and oh, that's a, we could do a whole, whole session on that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, I, I really believe that every, every church that's following the spirit of the Lord, because not all of them do, um, are, are being used just the way that they need to be being used. So you could take a big church and they're they're reaching people with maybe maybe um, um, maybe you could say the masses, but then a smaller church could be being kind of a niche church. Like they're they're teaching more prophetic. They're teaching more um, things that have to do with the the gifts of the spirit. And I've wrestled with that. You know, in in the church world, we talk a lot about you know we talk a, a lot about you know well that's a big church. Well they're 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 doing things just to bring people in. But there are some quite a few big churches that are doing great things oh, bringing yeah, people yeah. in. It's a it's a pendulum swing. It is. Sure. Hey, that big church is just they're just want a crowd or it's hey, that's a that's a big church, man, cuz it's life-giving and it's this. Oh, that small church, they're not doing anything for the Lord. Oh, that small church, man, they're doing great things for the Lord. Because this right here says yet none of the rest of them dared join them. So they're not reaching them. They're not coming in, right? yet they still esteem them highly. They're not joining them, but they're still esteeming them highly. We don't want any part of it, but there's something going on there that's not just them. There's sure. a higher power going on. So there's even a recognition of those who don't want to join them that God is moving. Yeah, and and you see that a lot. I, I, this kind of seems to me like the kind of kind of a reset that that you see throughout the Bible. The 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 Israelites get freed from Egypt and they follow the Lord until they don't. Yeah, and then He does something to whip them into shape, and then and this is the same the same thing. I think that that Ananias and Sapphira dying, it was a reset for the group for the yeah. Not that they had to die. No, right. But the result of that action happening now is that people are awakened to the things of the Spirit, even the people who are not even going to join them and believe. Right. They're awakened to things of the Spirit. Verse 14, And believers were increasingly added to the Lord multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least a shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. This is a result of two people lying to the Holy Spirit. Hundreds coming into the kingdom, hundreds being healed, the shadow of apostles and disciples healing people, so no work of themselves being done. That's what happens when the fear of the Lord comes. You know, we're going to get into a place where 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 Saul becomes Paul, 
And one of the things in Saul and Paul is that the disciples were afraid of him. They, they were fearful of him because uh, he was a persecutor and a killer of Christians. You know, just like he was there when Stephen got murdered, right? right? We don't want anything to do with that guy. That's why they take him to the apostles. They take him to the fathers, and the fathers were like, okay, if this is real, if you have a real relationship with God, you come in and go out with us doing the work of the ministry, and the fruit will bear it out. And then after that happens, it says, and with the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the fear of the Lord, Acts 9.31, the church exploded. Yes. We have so many churches that are comfort only and no fear of the Holy Ghost. And we have many that are fear, 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 and no comfort of the Holy Spirit. Guess what blows the church up? Both and. Oh, yeah. Comfort of the Holy Spirit and an awe and a reverence and a wonder at the power of God. Yeah, I often say that we don't we don't have any any balance, or oftentimes we miss balance. You know, we all we go far left with with one thing and far right with the other thing. Maybe a spirit filled part of it, we go crazy to the left, and then the other side they don't they don't believe anything with about spiritual gifts and. You know, but there's this beautiful place in the middle, you yeah. know, where you're you're moving in the spirit and it's not some people think it's crazy, kooky or whatever, but it's not that. Yeah. And and things things like a, a, a revival starts with, with that kind of balance, I believe. Yeah, because when revival breaks out, it is uh Well, revival's happening right here and two people died. So maybe not kooky, but definitely different. Yeah, it's definitely different. <laughs> Verse 16, also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Everybody is healed, which, again, they're not just gathering them from one place, but surrounding cities now, and everybody's getting healed out of this one moment. You know, this really shows us the power of the resurrection of Jesus. We say, we say this all the time, and we've said this the last couple of weeks. So many people live their lives as if Jesus is still on the cross. Oh, yeah, yes. And Jesus on the cross, we didn't have anything to do with that. That is his invitation to the world for redemption, atonement. But the grave is our part because we got to go through the grave. Yes. In order to have the resurrection power and in order to be new, you got to die. And we're not getting up on a Roman cross, dying for the world, or giving our blood for the sins of the world. That was Jesus, and only he could do that. But in his resurrection, and in order to live in that resurrection power, but so many people are living their lives as if Jesus never resurrected. If you can do 95% of your life without the Holy Ghost, do you have the resurrection power? Hmm. How many churches can do 75 to 90% of what they do without the, if the Holy Ghost never shows up? Isn't even there. We can turn lights on. We can turn a fog machine on. We can pro-presenter the screen all day long. We can have a nice charismatic TED Talker come on up and give us a nice inspiring message, and the Holy Ghost never be there. What's happening here is the Holy Spirit, the fear of the Lord has brought 
an awareness of the resurrection of Jesus, because we know they've been wrestling with the resurrection of Jesus. The Sadducees have already tried to come in and tell them, hey, we don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. We believe in Jesus being crucified all day long, but not the resurrection power. Right. And so in this moment, there is this awareness of the resurrection power of Jesus. And now we've got healing taking place all over the place, even in believers. So what happened to them out of this amazing, like God is moving, all these people are getting healed, the disciples and the apostles are serving everybody, and so did the mayor come and give them a key to the city? Well, verse 17, then the high priest rose up, here comes the political religious spirit, here it comes, and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, Sadducees. and what was the one sticking point that they had? Resurrection. And they were filled with indignation. Like, you want to see a religious spirit? Well, just let a lot of people get healed and see who gets mad about it. Because if they're getting mad about a bunch of people getting healed, that's probably not the spirit of Jesus. Yeah, this I'm, I'm reading the ESV version, and it says filled with jealousy. Filled with jealousy, indignation. Like, how could they be doing this? Verse 18, and they laid their hands on the apostles. Now, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. This isn't the laying on of hands with the anointing and <laughs> the really comforting laying on of hands. They're putting hands on them. Like, they're, they're, there's fisticuffs happening here. They're, they're dragging them away and put them in the common prison. <laughs> so they didn't go where the tax evaders go. They're going into the common prison, Right. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. So they throw them in prison. An angel comes, opens the prison doors, brings them out. What does this mean to us? This means that when we are faithful to the Lord, no matter what's happening, no matter what's going on, bad has happened. There have been two funerals, yeah. funerals that Peter didn't want to do. <laughs> he didn't want to have any part of, but it's been bad. But now, out of that, fear and awe and trembling has come. The Holy Spirit is moving in people's lives. People are being saved. They're being filled with the Holy Spirit. They're being healed of sicknesses and diseases. They're being set free. And the result of that now is they're being thrown in prison. But when you're faithful to the Lord, listen to me, when you are faithful to the Lord, no matter what's happening, good, bad, indifferent, the lowest of the lowest valley, the highest mountaintop, you keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep Amen. not plugging along, but sometimes you do. Sometimes you have to just plug along. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to take one step. You know, there was that old uh, uh, Christmas times coming up, so I'm reminded of those old claymation, uh, those old claymation things. <laughs> Rudolph. You know, Rudolph, <laughs> and then there was uh, Santa Claus is coming to town, and one of those was like, uh, put one foot in front of the other, <laughs> and soon you'll be walking across the floor. Right. I don't remember that. Put but one <laughs> foot in front I'll of the other, you. and soon you'll be walking out the door. Yeah. Meaning, if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other in your faith with Jesus, you'll be walking across the floor, and then eventually it will take you out the door. It will get you to where you're going to. And I think for many of these people, especially for the disciples and the apostles, they've had these major ups, the Pentecost, Holy Spirit's poured out, the lame man at the gate, 
They're told not to speak in Jesus' name anymore. Boom. People get saved. People get healed. We get thrown in jail. We get beat. We get hands laid on us. We get out of jail. God moves. We get thrown in jail. Like, all this is going on, and the whole time they just keep moving forward. Yeah. Well, you know, two two things. Well, one thing for now. Um, that's That was my first thought is, is that, that I want to be – like the disciples were when when something bad happens to them, you don't hear them whining, you don't hear them complaining, you you see them doing either they continue doing the work of the Lord, or they continue worshiping the Lord, or like you said, they just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yep. And and the Lord delivers them. And and I I've, I I really feel like the the last few weeks the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me about our level of faith our faith walk uh, in in the Christian church and how we're we're really missing it. So you see you see it you see it as a great example here these these disciples walking in faith and then when when they get the hands laid on them and they get thrown into jail all they do is keep the faith. Just keep believing Jesus. That's it. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. And then when when the angel said, go stand in the temple, what did they do? They asked a bunch of questions. They tried to figure it all out. No, they just did what God said. They went to where God told them to go. Now, verse 22, but when the officers came and did not find them in prison, they returned and reported, saying, indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. We would say, there you go. Explain that one, right? right. Oh, I don't. I don't believe in that stuff. I don't believe in that. You can't, you know, that's not science. That's not this. Not, well, just deal with it because this is what happened, right? Somebody can argue theology all day long, but they can never argue your story of what God did in your life. Oh, absolutely not. No. They can't. I mean, there's a transformation. There's fruit. You can't explain that. You know, you can't come from places that, that people have come from, the depths of darkness people have come from, and live these lives and the fruit and just go, oh, yeah, they just made a decision to do that one day. No, no. It's no. real interesting to see how, how that, that change in, in people's lives affects different people. When, when I gave my life to the Lord and I went from that old Sergeant Wilkes to the new Sergeant Wilkes, there were some people that, that they saw it and they, they acted accordingly. And then there were other people they celebrated. that— celebrated. Like, yeah. And they didn't, or or even if they were giving me a hard time for it, I had a guy. I'm still a, I'm still friends with him. He, he called me Monk Boy for a year. <laughs> Did you get the haircut? <laughs> I I didn't. <laughs> uh, unless you think a high and tight is close to a Monk Boy haircut, maybe but, close. But there were there were. He knew, even though he was giving me a hard time, he absolutely knew that that change had, had happened. And then there's other people that, that see it and it's, you know, kind of shrug it off and. Sure. That's not real. That won't last. Yeah. That kind of thing. You know, when I first got saved, I, I look back on it now and I'm like, man, like I had only been saved like six hours, right? <laughs> six hours from nothing. I right. No knowledge of God or anything. I've been saved like six hours. I'm standing in this meth house that I was passed out in the night before. And I decided I'm going back in there because I got to get a couple things, but I'm going to go back in there and I'm going to tell them about what happened to me today. And I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And I said something that probably in retrospect, I'm like, man, holy cow. Like either I was really super on fire and it was real, or I was just not thinking right. 
But I stood in the middle of that room and I was like, Jesus is real. If you want to know about him, man, I'm always going to be there for you guys. Man, just share Jesus with you. Um, and by the way, you just watch me. Follow me. Look for me in the grocery store. Listen to what I say. Watch how I walk. Watch how I live. Follow me around. Now, I'd been saved like six hours, right? There wasn't a whole lot of fruit in those six hours. Yeah. Most of those six hours was getting rid of stuff out of my household, you know, that smelled like the world. But in retrospect, basically I was going, look, follow me as I follow Jesus. Yeah. Not because I'm cocky, but because this is real. Like what happened to me is real. And that's what's happening with the disciples and the apostles is like – the reason why they can just go and do what God is saying is because they're like, look, this is the real deal. Jesus is Lord. <laughs> like, and we're not just we're not just casting our nets anymore. We're not just dropping our stuff off the boat anymore. We're not in the comfort of walking with him. He's gone. But he's still real. And we're gonna give our lives for it. Absolutely, yes. So they came. Nobody's in the prison. Verse 24, now when the high priest, captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, look, the men whom you put in prison are now standing in the temple teaching the people. Oh, this is awesome. Verse 26, then the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence. So this time, not necessarily laying hands on them this time, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. So now out of political... Uh, fear of what people would do. Now they're kind of taking it easy on them. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, did we not strictly command you not to teach in his name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Whew. So good. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Oh, yeah, by the way, the God of our fathers, this is so key. He's always taking them back to Abraham. He's always taking them back to Moses. He's always taking them back to David. He's always taking them back to the fathers of the faith because he knows that's going to strike a chord with these Jews. Always taking them back. And he says, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree, by the way. <laughs> Him, God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are as witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Boom. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. They cover them all. Yeah. They didn't leave any of it out for expediency for themselves. They didn't leave any of it out to to lessen what was going to be done to them. They gave it all to them. If we're going to die right here, right now. Man, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. The complete package. The complete package. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Then one of the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. Listen, even a prophetic word can come from someone who's not even a prophet. Oh, yes. God can speak through anybody this is and this here's an encouragement for you. If you have ever been in that place where you look at people who aren't serving the Lord and you're like, "Man, why is God blessing them and not blessing me? And why, you know, why are they getting all the money and they don't even love God?" Well, listen. 
Everyone has the gift of God inside them. Stir up the gift of God that is in you. It, that is God's gift. It's not man's gift. It's God's gift that he puts in everyone, yes, to be used for his glory. Not everyone uses their gift for that, but that gift will produce certain things. But make no mistake about it. When God uses somebody's gift as believers, as followers in Christ, we are going to be blessed by that gift in some way. Oh, yeah. Some form or fashion. So here is a man, uh, a Pharisee, and here's what he says. Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thaddeus rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. And after this, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him, and he also uh, perished. And all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, man, here comes a word from the Lord from a Pharisee. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Ben, you could walk into a Christian church on a Sunday morning and just say those words and drop the mic and go out. Oh, yeah. And you can you can apply that to to so many things that we do in church. You know, we I think oftentimes we work so hard to uh, appease people, to draw people, to to reach people, and and like the scripture says that if it's of God, that it'll it'll produce results. It'll it'll be good. Yeah, and he's saying, look, if this is of God, we better not touch it, because if we touch it. Hey, remember Ananias and Sapphira? Again, we're still in the same context. Yeah. We haven't, we're not four weeks past Ananias and Sapphira. This is all fresh, and they're actually being persecuted right now because of Ananias and Sapphira, because of the Holy Spirit moving out of that scenario. So Gamaliel is like, listen, people are dead because of touching. God's stuff. We need to hold off for a second. Yeah, I really feel like the Lord is, well, I mean, just getting on him, you know, and I, he's, he's in the, to look at it from, and through the world's eyes, you know, he's, he's just, I just wonder what, what's going on in his spiritual life right then. You know, is he, is he seeing what has happened and, and, and how things are transpiring? And, and so like, does he really know that he's speaking like, like the Holy Spirit is like. Well, I mean, the, the, yeah, that he's he's got to put a pause on this because because of what it could be. Yeah, you know, I, I often wonder, like, if for him was he was he having that moment that 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 you had or I had that we all had before we we gave it up to the Lord. You know, was he was he doing that? Was he pausing it just because he saw where it could have gone, or did he even know that the Lord was using him at all? Yeah. Like, hey, this is just politically expedient for us to do this right now. Just hold off. Or is it like, look, there's some fear and awe on me right now. We better not touch this. Yeah. Because if we do, it could be bad. Be uh, yeah, it'd be bad to be on the wrong side of wrong side of a decision. <laughs> Verse forty. And they agreed with him. <laughs> and when they had called for the apostles, now we're thinking, okay. Gamaliel's kind of saved the day, or at least the Holy Spirit has through Gamaliel, saved the day for the apostles. 
and now the council agrees with them, so they're going to be good to go. Okay, there's not going to be any reparations here. And they agreed with him, and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, real time, beaten them. Well, wait a second. Didn't Gamaliel say, yeah, he said, don't kill them. Don't kill them. But they still got beat. They didn't get out of anything. And beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now, they've already been arrested. Peter and John had already been arrested and said, don't speak in Jesus' name anymore. And they said, we can't help but do it. It's all we know. We're going to speak in Jesus' name. They command them again. And verse 41 is probably a verse out of the entire Bible that every time I read it, I'm convicted to my core, number one. And secondly, I have to dig deeper in it just to go, man, God, I, I need to get this in my spirit. So they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. <laughs> they had been beaten. They had been shamed. They had been thrown in prison. They had been uh, talked about. They were probably offended, disappointed, discouraged. All those different things had come on them, and now they are rejoicing. Why? That they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. That's a wild thought. Rejoicing. When we think of rejoice, we think just the right song, just the right time, boom, I'm rejoicing, it's awesome, it's all good. They're rejoicing after being beaten for their faith. And they're rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer. Which kind of goes counterintuitive to a lot of teaching these days, which is, you know, if you suffer, it's the devil, or if you suffer, you know, it's like you don't have enough faith and stuff like that. Well, not only that, but the 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 world in general has a victim mentality, and it's taught, and it's it's. I feel like it's even celebrated in a lot of ways. So I don't. I, for for me, I don't even know if I don't feel like I have a victim mentality, but I could see myself not not walking out rejoicing, right? you know, and not counting in it and, uh, you know, an honor to be beaten for his name's sake. Um, and this isn't days later. This no, is right then. It's fresh. <laughs> As they are walking out the door, they're rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And then what do they do after that? Well, surely they just kind of took some time. Look, man, I'm going to take a couple weeks off church. I need a break. You know, this thing is heavy. I just got thrown in jail. Like, you know, I'm not feeling it. I'll just do online this week. You know, I just don't want to get out of my pajamas. I think you know where I'm going in the last verse. Yeah, I don't. (laughs) And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. We're just going to get up and we're going to do what we've been doing, one foot in front of the other. They told us not to speak the name of Jesus. We're going to preach the name of Jesus. Yeah, and the and the people that tell us not to do what we know we have to do, they can kick rocks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to do what I what I'm called to do, you know. And it's not going to be it's not going to be stopped or hindered. I mean, I guess you could say that they were hindered for a period of time. Sure, but but even even after that hindrance, when they continued doing what they were doing. Wasn't that even more of a testimony? Sure, because the angel comes and opens the doors for them. 
Right, and he so can, and they even, can also say, "Hey, we were we were locked up, and then a Sadducee released us." Hey, we didn't do anything. Yeah. Like the angel came, opened the doors. Like God told us to go do this, and we went and did that. Now we were beaten for that, you know. And and some people would get in their mind, man, if I, if I'm tortured or beaten for like just following the word of God, surely that means there's something wrong. No, it doesn't. They rejoiced. They counted themselves as worthy, that they were counted as worthy to suffer, not just to suffer. Listen, you can take suffering on as a badge of honor. Oh, sure, yes. You know, I'm the suffering servant or whatever. But they weren't just suffering to suffer. They were suffering for his name. That's the difference right there, for his name. It wasn't... You know, somebody wasn't going, hey, you know, why did you go to church this morning? That's not suffering, y'all. Come on. Really? Come on. Let's. Yeah, there's some things I want to say right there, and I won't say it. You might as well. You might as well say it. Just talking to Scott. (laughs) Just get your big britches on and, like, listen, there are so many distractions, so many things the enemy wants to put in your way that are way, way less than what we just read. Oh, yeah. Like somebody saying something about you on Facebook or somebody posting something about you or somebody thinking something about you, that's not this. And I think sometimes, and we hit this at the very beginning, how can two deaths result in healing and all that? Because we get in an apathetic, lethargic state of being, thinking that just because we prayed one prayer, everything is good to go and we don't have to do anything ever again. And that's not the case. Man, no. this is a progressive kingdom. This is a moving kingdom. This is a forward kingdom. This is not a, a digressing kingdom. This is a progressing kingdom that builds upon, builds upon, builds upon, builds upon. And when you fall, you don't have to take two steps back. You fall, you get up, you repent, you move forward. It's about being proactive instead of reactive. That's right. They are responding. They're not reacting. They're responding not with their own stuff. They're responding from the Lord. And because of that, God gave them favor. How can God give them favor when they got beaten? I was thinking that that a lot of this, most of this is is centered around a person's selfishness or self-centeredness. So Ananias and Fire, they they were self-centered and they were selfish. Um, You know, the Sadducees, they they were angry because they were jealous. Yep, and which is the same the the same thing. Yeah, because they were losing political religious clout with that. So and it's I was, selfish. Yeah, and I was trying to think: Have I ever been mad enough to where I wanted to kill somebody? The Sadducees were so jealous that they wanted to kill these guys. Yep, because of what they were doing, not because of what they were doing to them, right? But because of what they were doing for the Lord. And that's the thing: just because you do something for the Lord doesn't mean everybody's going to celebrate you. That's <laughs> that. Even in the kingdom. Even when you're doing <laughs> even, good even Christians. Well, how can a cup of water make somebody mad? Well, if they don't want a cup of water or they don't want you to give them a cup of water, it could make them mad. You can do good things and people not like it. That's a good word. Because if you do it in the name of the Lord, it didn't just say cup of cold water. It said in Jesus' name. Right. That's the kicker. They don't mind the cup of cold water, but in Jesus' name, that is the dividing line. Because, again, he didn't... He didn't necessarily come to bring world peace. He came to divide. Not to divide mm. people, so to speak, but spirit and flesh. Right. 
And if we're people of the Spirit and we're around people of the flesh, there's going to be a division that's going to come. Absolutely. And they may not join us, but I can tell you this. If the Holy Ghost is moving, they can try to explain the way all they want. But yes. some of those people that won't join us, they will esteem us highly because they will know it's the Lord. And they will have enough common sense not to want to touch what is the Lord's. It's really a setup when you think about it. I mean, it's just a, it's just it's a setup. The people that don't don't believe or or stray away from uh, what the Word says and the and the things the way that the Holy Spirit moves, they can step back and they can say what what they want. But but there's a the vast majority of them. There's going to be like you said. There's gonna, there's going to be some esteeming. They're gonna they know in their heart of hearts that that the things that are happening are from our they would say from a greater power, we know what the power is. Sure. I got I got friends that, man, they don't want me to go into all the Jesus stuff. They don't want nothing to do with it. They won't respond to anything I do, you know, that has that in it. And then I have other friends that they're not necessarily where I'm at as far as, like, my faith. But but at the same time, there is a certain level of respect for that and, and what we do. And in that, there is, there is uh, an opportunity for the Lord to do uh, great things in their life. So... Back to our original thought, Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> I'm going to stick to my story. Peter says, are you sure? <laughs> yeah, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And uh, so if you find your place, you, you find yourself in that place today where maybe you're just like, man, really, Lord, that? You really want that? Just be reminded today that anything that you give unto the Lord, anything you give unto the Lord, what's coming back to you, what's going to be opened up to you is going to be greater than any other thing you could have given that thing unto. As we give unto the Lord, as we bring ourselves, you know, ultimately, Eric, the, the, big, the biggest thing we bring to the Lord is us, ourselves. Yes. We bring to Him a living sacrifice, that's us, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. And then out of that, God does things like we see people healed and we see people saved and we see people get hope that have never had hope. And we see lepers who have never had a name all of a sudden have a name and women with issues of blood now all of a sudden have a name and they're not their issue. And we see addicts who are not just recovering, but delivered, not just recovering, but recovered, reclaimed, redeemed, yes. right? And so, um, hey, this has been a deep walk. There's a lot of verses in there. We didn't even go as deep as we could have went. Um, yes, I get it. It's intense. But when we started this journey with Midweek Move, we said, look, we're going to go line by line, verse by verse. We're not missing a verse. And as long as it takes, we're going to take it, and we're going we're gonna to take a deep dive. And hopefully you guys have taken this journey with us. And hopefully you have made a move in your faith today. You have made a move. You're growing in the Lord. That's what these midweek moves are all about. This is a moment. In this moment, it now creates movement. So how are you going to grow today? Don't go from moment to moment. Grow from moment to moment. Grow in the Lord. And as we've just seen in Acts chapter 5, if the Lord asks for something... <laughs> Just give it to him. <laughs> and then if you don't, tell the truth. That's right. Just own it, right? Just own it. 
So, Eric, thanks for joining us, man. My um, pleasure, man. That's appreciate awesome. you. Appreciate you so much. Hey, thanks for joining us for the Midweek Move. We love you guys. Let us know how this is going. Media Hub at thpshreport.com, what you're learning, uh, how you're growing. We want to know about that, and we want to pray with you about those things as well. So God bless you guys.